Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. On today's show, we look at plans to educate and entertain students this summer and fall. This week, Arizona's top teacher released a plan for how to reopen schools for in-person instruction come August. We'll discuss those plans later in the show. But parents who have already had to juggle lack of child care, online and homeschooling, and working from home during the pandemic are now facing a couple of months of no school and continued lack of daycare. Many child care centers closed during the spring due to the pandemic and are now in various stages of slowly reopening. Some have remained open, but only for families of essential workers. A couple we talked to say they plan to reopen this month or next, relying on public health guidance on how to minimize the spread of COVID-19. Last week, Governor Doug Ducey gave summer camps the go-ahead. Many we talked to have recalibrated their plans to encompass hygiene and social distancing procedures due to the pandemic. In many cases, this means reducing the number of kids who can attend. The Tucson Racquet Club has fully redesigned their summer camp to make it as safe as possible. That includes dropping from five camps to two and canceling two-thirds of their normal activities. They're limiting camp to outside-focused ones like soccer and tennis and have delayed the start date by several weeks to give them time to prepare and retrain camp staff. The Kids World Summer Program in Sierra Vista is open and serving both first responders and the general public on a first-come, first-served basis. They've reduced capacity to only 15% of last summer, instituted temperature checks, masks, and are in limited groups, among other measures. The Boy Scouts Catalina Council was hoping to go to Camp Lawton in July, but this week made the decision to cancel the event, the Girl Scout Council is conducting virtual camp online. Camp Cooper spokesperson Nate Byerly says they're also offering an online program this summer to help kids engage with the outdoors and environmental stewardship. Camp Cooper typically operates during the cooler months of the year, welcoming thousands of school children to their mostly outdoor facility. We realize that... Um that there's a need out there for parents and kids who are choosing you know, not to go to camp to have activities that are fun in nature, that are entertaining, that are kind of easy to drop in and out of, um, but that you know, I think, and that's kind of the kids need, the parents need is that they've got uh, something that their kids can do that's enriching. Camp Cooper will be releasing a series of videos and online programs for a range of ages starting next week through early August. And these activities derive from the actual activities that we do kind of later in the day when you come out and visit Camp Cooper. Building a solar oven is going to be one of the first activities. So it's a way to talk about like solar energy and physics, you know, in a very simple pretty safe way. It also talks about conservation and environmentalism, which are values we hold. And it's fun. It's hands-on. It gives you something to do outside, though you don't have to necessarily be outside all day in the heat. Byerly says they're still working on what their programs will look like during the school year, but parents who want to sign up for this or any of the other camps we mentioned can find links on our website. 
As we said at the top of the show, this week the state released guidance on how schools can safely reopen after summer break. Dustin Williams is the Pima County School Superintendent. We talked with him about how local schools are planning for summer and fall. Schools went online remote in mid-March. What have you heard about how successful that was or wasn't? For the timeliness that these schools had to put this together, um, it was really extraordinary how this county that I can speak about um, put it all together and went right into remote learning and and did it to the best that people remote learn. And that and that's the big question is brains learn in so many different ways. And so uh, getting students to learn remotely is it's challenging in itself. And to set up the infrastructure and the way that these schools did it was really unprecedented and, and kudos to the entire community that did it. As we move into the summer, the school year has officially ended uh, now. Uh, what does summer look like for Pima County Schools? Are there any summer programs that are going to be offered? Yeah, so big, huge um, congratulations to all the class of 2020, first of all. And again, the timeliness that we saw these graduations really piece together in just such a short amount of time of doing parades and the community stepping up to proclamations. That's really what the summer has looked like right now. So we've evaluated all that. We made sure the certificates went out. We made sure that we uh, got the promotions done. And now comes the next question of what is June and what is July and what is August most importantly going to look like? And these are conversations with the governor's office, the Arizona Department of Education, Pima County Health, Pima County government, uh, very much involved literally daily. I'm on the phone with a superintendent or a charter school member or a private school or homeschool community and just saying, Dustin, what, what direction are we going? And, and that's what we're looking at. At the end of the day, we obviously want to see schools open. But safety is paramount, and we have to we have to deliver a product that's going to say to to the majority of parents, is it safe to put my student there? And that's the big question. And then um, sites are also saying, and every staff member, and every parent, and and so forth. So that's really where we're at. There is an idea that we're working with with some of the schools of trying to maybe do a very specific pilot program as far as can we put some kids in a classroom and maybe do a hybrid model and what is that going to look like so that we just don't turn August 8th on, here you go, start school. We're, we're really trying to get as prepared as possible and follow the CDC guidelines and Pima County the, uh, Health Department giving us some direction. But the faster that we can say, here's what a school is actually going to look like, I think that's going to build the confidence for the mother or the child giver to say, okay, I, I would like to send my student to school. For parents who are worried that their kids fell behind uh, when everything went online because they didn't have the interaction necessarily in person with a teacher, is there anything they can do this summer to help get their kids caught up? At the end of the day, that's a real concern. And we see that this is probably going to be kind of a gap quarter is what we see at the end, plus them going into some um, summer normally, they lose some of the retention. So you've got both of those there. there. 
Uh, we see Pima Community College, the University of Arizona, ASU, um, uh, Grand Canyon, all, and NAU, all the big universities and entities are putting together kind of fast track systems or kind of like uh, mini boot camps. We also are going to be just meeting today with the Children's Museum for some type of packet and kits that they want to send out. And so we're exploring anything and everything. Obviously, at the end of the day, a good old book, good old, you know, get reading to your child and going back to some of the basics, especially this time of the year where we say kids can take their break. Maybe just kind of saying, hey, let's let's get them involved in some of the cool education magazines and so forth. I would think academically, as you said, this is kind of a gap quarter into the summer. That's going to be a really big lift for teachers uh, because, they go, as they always do, they have kids kind of all over the academic spectrum. But now even more so coming back, this is going to be a big lift for teachers. Yeah, this is going to be where we really see the reality of what remote learning does and the, uh, what COVID and education and that relationship looks like. And so we're going to really be encouraging parents to, number one, find that intervention this summer, any creative way that you can do that, whether there's an online course that the district might come out with, whether there's a remote learning opportunity uh, for summer school, which most of all the district schools will have some sort of form, especially for high school, of remote learning and really stay in direct contact with the school. And then also, what does the child want to do? What is interested in that student? Because as we all went through homeschooling and uh, the, the remote learning, as I did as a 20-year educator, teaching my son in my, uh, is a lot different. And, and so when parents try to be that teacher, it's hard. It really is. And that's one thing I wanted all the viewers to know is as we go into this new environment, this is really now a, a complete team. It can't just be leveraged all on that school. We're going to actually have to have the parents start to brush up on, are you having the conversations about social distancing? Are you explaining it? Why? Not the scary part, although we understand that is the scariest part about it is, hey, you know, there's fatality rates involved. But when all of your bases are covered and the student is getting used to at home, just, hey, every two, three hours, just say, go wash your hands so that you can get used to, that's what the new norm is going to be. Put on your mask for a little bit everywhere you go, because that will be a requirement in school. Um, temperature checks, which are the little scanning machines, understand that that could be something that will be mandatory going in. Um, if your son or your daughter seems ill, Parents have got to figure out where's that son or daughter going to go because they, they won't be able to go to school. And that's where they start to have to have that discussion with their businesses and, you know, where they work and say, hey, if I have to stay home, do we have our remote learning capability? Because we can't, the days of, hey, you got the common cold, but I got to get to work and you got to go to school. Unfortunately, those have to be over, at least for the time being, until we really get this uh, COVID-19 figured out and this virus with some sort of um, conclusion, mainly a vaccine at the end of the day. 
usually at this time of year, you and I are talking about summer lunch programs, which are very important to a lot of families. What do those look like this summer since the schools are closed? We had great direction from Arizona Department of Education, who really fast-tracked the whole summer program and got schools already on board with that. So that's going to look like the same thing as when schools were doing their remote learning from, call it, March to May. Uh, that won't miss a beat. We will start to see, which it, it fluctuated very interestingly uh, as far as the amount of lunches that we're getting provided into the tune of thousands a week. So we will be monitoring that very, very closely. But the big thing is the governments have these little pots of money for the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and it's very specific on how it can be spent so it can't replace revenue for the governments and so they can use it to partner up and help with schools but we've seen ADE step up to that plate pretty big time with their summer programs and we don't see any issues as of right now for uh, meals. You get to be government king for a day, governor, president, whatever it is. When it comes to schools, is there anything that you see as the county superintendent that needs to be taken care of that isn't being taken care of? I would say if we're going to ask for the schools to open, um, can I be assured as the county school superintendent that my schools are well supplied with all of the um PPE or what's called the protective um, personal protective equipment. And can you assure if the school wanted an antibody test for the entire staff or to have something readily available, um, can you have that ready? And then can we have the backing of the Arizona Department of Health and Pima County um, Health Department to assure us and to assure the families that these are good guidelines and this looks like a very safe policy. So as long as we have this really good partnership and we've got these schools that are gonna need the sanitizer, the gloves, the masks, um, and some good, you know, decent policies, that's what I would really ask for if I could, if I could have my dream. That was Pima County School Superintendent Dustin Williams. Last week, Pima County Schools and the Metropolitan Education Commission held an online forum for students to share their thoughts about instruction during the pandemic. Most of the participants were high school or college students. Due to the format, they did not identify themselves. The first question they responded to was how the school closures and shift to online instruction this spring has affected them. One of the benefits I actually found of I was able to, I guess, I was able to like get exercise because one thing that was frustrating me at school is I would sit for eight hours a day and that just was never very fun for me. So it was nice because between classes I could actually take a break, stretch, go do something else to like reset my brain and then come back to school more focused. At our school we're very connected with our teachers like there's there's a very good environment there and since we aren't there we weren't able to actually talk to our teachers and have them help us with assignments and things. Like, we still were able to communicate through Microsoft Teams, and they were still able to help us. But it just felt very different. They weren't there to answer our questions right when we needed it. It might take, like, 45 minutes to an hour to get a response for a simple question. So one of the positives was not having to drive, which 
I guess is safer, but um, the in-person learning I find is uh, much like richer. The presentations are, you get more out of the presentations, but another positive is we could have out of state, uh, or like researchers be listening in on our conversations, which was a plus, but yeah, in-person is always I get more out of. I had trouble with procrastinating and setting that schedule for myself. One thing that's nice about school is that it has the hours that you go to each class and have that time to focus. But when it was left up to me, it was more difficult to arrange my day and keep on track. It was a challenge to start getting on schedule. But after, I think that I have like a lot more balance in my life since I can get myself up um, on my own schedule and I can be more motivated, I guess, on my own terms. The students also responded to a question about how they would feel if fall classes were a mix of online and in-person instruction. I'm kind of conflicted because I see pros and cons. I see how it could be more work for the teachers because they would have to accommodate their lessons. But um, I also see how it would be more beneficial, especially in a college environment when there are um, 200 people classes. Yeah, I would prefer in person for a lot of things. For some things, probably I wouldn't prefer. Like, I don't know, like mathematics, you don't really need to be in person. But for like applied sciences, yeah, I'd probably. I think this could be, this could really work because my school does a little bit like this in where like I have a teacher, but he never assigns any physical homework. Like he'll talk about something in the class and then he'll give you an online assignment that you can, you know, type on a, on a Google Doc, so you use Google Classroom. And then you'll turn that in. And so I think that it could work, especially if maybe what it could be like is a little bit more like a tutoring method where like you do a majority of your schoolwork online and then you go in person for like tutoring sessions or you go into for a very difficult concept. Being in person with my teachers, I can just ask them questions uh, more readily. Um, whereas online schooling, I think a few other people have said this, you have to wait sometimes like really long to get a simple question answered. So I think it's just all very experimental. So last year I took ceramics. And so when we transitioned to online, my teacher did like weekly assignments. And one of the common thing that um, the students replied is that they really miss like actually working with the clay. So I think extracurriculars would actually work a lot better in school rather than just online. Imagining for a second that, you know, COVID didn't exist, uh, I'd say in a heartbeat, I would, I would prefer to go back to in-person classes. Um, so I'm going to be a senior next year, and I have siblings in elementary and middle school, and I think one of the biggest concerns, um, I also have both of my parents working, and so with the blended, it would be difficult if we had different schedules, especially because I would probably end up watching my siblings when my parents are at work and I'm at home, or we would have to hire daycare or a sitter to take care of them and help them do their schoolwork. So that is one thing that would be difficult about the blended or just online. Those were the voices of students in Pima County, recorded during an online forum to hear their thoughts as school leaders plan for what the fall will look like. 
The Buzz production assistant, Vanessa Ontiveros, talked with several school superintendents about their plans this summer. For most public high school students in the Tucson area, summer school will be completely online. According to school district leaders, these classes are both for students looking to get ahead and for students looking to catch up. Sawarita Superintendent Manuel Valenzuela says the goal of summer sessions remains the same, to help students achieve their academic goals. That hasn't changed. The only thing that's really changed is, is the platform by which uh, the instruction is being delivered. But Flowing Wells Superintendent David Baker says his district has seen a big drop in summer enrollment. We're talking, unfortunately, um, just under 1,000 students when we usually have you know, like 2,500 students available uh, for summer school programs. This decrease is partially due to the district's decision to not offer some of its programs that parents normally pay for, like health and wellness programs for younger students. Baker says that decision was driven by safety concerns. Flowing Wells does have one in-person program currently scheduled for summer. Project Reedy is a summer transition program for students entering kindergarten. In past years, students attended classes with their parents. This year, families will come in and meet with educators individually. So we, we do lose the community building and the group kind of support system for incoming kinders, but we do we have kind of modeled it so that it'll be, you know, socially distanced and, and safe practices, but still giving kids access to our curriculum. Flowing Wells is also offering online summer classes for 160 elementary and middle school students who are at risk for falling behind. TUSD also has learning resources on its website for students of any grade to complete at their own pace. But while the majority of students will not be in official summer programs, Baker and Valenzuela say the internet has plenty of free options for parents looking to keep their children academically immersed. Here's Valenzuela. I know that our teachers were quite successful at not only using what we had, but uh, creatively and resourcefully tapping resources that are otherwise available in, uh, in the public domain for reinforcement of their educational objectives. However, both superintendents also said that not all learning needs to happen in a classroom or in front of a screen. Parents looking to keep their kids engaged can involve them in everyday activities, like cooking, exercise, or exploring the neighborhood. So I think there are a lot of opportunities around conversation and engagement and taking what students have learned from school and trying to, to find real-world examples in, in you know, their lives and communities around them, particularly if families are able to be together more often right now. During the summer, district leaders will continue to plan for fall. Whether that will mean in-person classes, online classes, or a hybrid approach remains to be seen. For The Buzz, I'm Vanessa Ontiveros. This week, Arizona Superintendent of Public Instruction, Kathy Hoffman, released guidelines for reopening the state's K-12 schools. The guidance includes detailed suggestions on how the districts can restart traditional classes after summer break, but leaves it up to the districts to make those choices. And it says school boards should rely on guidance from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to help them decide. As we've heard from other school districts, safely reopening is a difficult task. That's especially true for Tucson's largest district, Tucson Unified. TUSD Superintendent Gabriel Trujillo says state guidance released this week is comprehensive, but it's missing one important element. It's great. They're great recommendations, great messaging. We see nowhere in this document where a new funding source is offered, or they're proposing a new mechanism to help pay for the very, very costly recommendations that are being recommended in this roadmap. 
TUSD is expecting to get $18.6 million from the state to help with reopening schools. That money comes from the federal government as part of the CARES Act, and Trujillo says he's confident that the school districts will get all of what they're supposed to, and the governor will not hold any of it back. But he says the money won't go so far as people might think it will. Let's just say that we wanted to provide masks to every student in TUSD. Just not even every day, but give a student a fresh mask once a week to have for the week, like Monday morning. To do that for every student in TUSD and to do it across the 36-week, 180-day school year would cost us $1.25 million. Trujillo says that does not begin to cover additional janitorial costs of keeping schools clean at a much higher level during a pandemic. The district is still working on its plan for reopening. On June 16th, it will have a study session to talk about a plan. Then the plan will be released a week later. And plenty of things are on the table, like split sessions. That is under serious consideration right now, especially at places like Tucson High and Choya and some of the larger schools. Absolutely, split schedules where there's a morning shift and an afternoon shift, split day schedules where uh, portions of the student body are on site two days a week, and then they're doing remote three days a week. All of that is under consideration. Of course, a split day means more school buses, because the students will have to be socially distanced on the buses, as well as moving students to school twice a day instead of just once, and then home again. The school funding model is also causing problems because the state pays 95% when a student is learning online and not in a classroom. 5% may not sound like much of a loss, but Trujillo says as much as 25% of families in the district have said they don't feel comfortable coming back to class. If 25% of our student body opts to remain in online learning and the district has to take a 5% hit, for each kid, for each $4,800 that we collect on each kid, and we have to take 5% less of that for 25% of the whole student body, we're looking at losing $3 million. Trujillo is hoping when state lawmakers go back to the Capitol this summer for a special session on the budget, they'll keep all of that in mind and help school districts across the state. And that's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.